I wouldn't say from day one, go all in. Be careful. Test your stuff. If you can do part-time, do part-time and, and keep a certain level of stability for you and your family. Hey, my name is Felix Tian. I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how to partner with physical stores to showcase your product, their tricky pre-Black Friday email that sold out all their Black Friday products, and how to create high-converting content with your affiliates. Today, I'm joined by Jeremiah Curvers from Polysleep. Polysleep created the perfect sleeping surface with the right amount of comfort, support, and firmness made of high-quality products at a fair price and was started in 2016 and based out of Montreal and passed $1 million in revenues in just two years. Welcome, Jeremiah. Thank you for having me, Felix. Awesome. So I think the most important, I think the, the, the question that's in a lot of people's mind is that this is a highly competitive industry, very visible in terms of the direct consumer e-commerce space these days. And I think a lot of times people that might even think about entering this space or are looking at products in this space, the number one question is, how are you different than the other kind of big players in the space like the Casper and so on? So how do you usually answer that question? It's a good question, and uh, often it's a complex one to answer. The first thing and the, and, and the most important one is what's going to set you aside from their competitors from a product standpoint? Um, Polysleep was created really to improve everybody and everyone's sleeping experience. So we had to create uh, a new product or at least a new approach to create that product. Um, so this is what we invested a lot on the first, I would say, six months. How can we uh, take from competitors and from the market what is successful and how can we improve upon that? Um, we were very interested, uh, like you said, by the polyurethane mattress that, are, um, that offer the capacity to be rolled in a box and therefore offer a very interesting shipping method. Um, but at the same time, these come with, with issues and most of our competitors haven't yet solved these issues. So that would, that I would say is the main differentiator. Uh, we can definitely talk a bit more about the product in detail going forward, but, um, that is the most important panel. What is going to set you aside from your competitors? As soon as you get that, now it's how you're going to talk or, or narrate, bring a narrative that is different to your consumer. That's going to talk with them and resonate with them. Yeah, I think that's, this is something I definitely want to talk about. So the first thing is you mentioned that you did some research to figure out what was already working in the space so that you 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 know obviously could offer that as well. But then what was more important was what wasn't working for, for the products that were out there in the marketplace. And those are opportunities for you to come in. So talk about how you did this research. How did you understand the landscape and understand where you might fit in with your product and company? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, the mattress industry is obviously and that's no big news, uh, a saturated industry. We've been sleeping on beds uh, for more than 100 years. So the arrival of these new shipping methods, which are commonly called bed in a box, um, to me is just a new shipping method. Now, you have to do compromise in terms of product um, because there's certain type of material that will simply not be able to be put in a box and then come back to the original form. Um, the second challenge is um, what I call our VC unicorns. Um, so brands that just in a couple of years had so much investment and so much marketing power that it's extremely hard to compete with them because um, we have... To, 
a lot of people don't understand that e-commerce in certain area is still a, a, a growing thing. The mattress industry, roughly about 20% of the people are comfortable buying a mattress online exclusively, which means that 80% of the people will still want to have a physical contact with the product before buying it. Even though they don't like the sale experience in the store, they still want to feel and touch the product. So that's the first thing we realize. The second thing we realize about foam mattresses exclusively, because that, that's what we, we found the most interesting. In Europe, it's very popular. And this is where there were the most advancement in terms of technology, foam. So we decided to go that path. And there were a couple of roadblocks. The first one being allergies. More and more people are becoming allergic to latex and, and more and more people would like to have healthy material. Um, the problem is any type of mattress, organic or not, will require chemical reaction in order to create foam. Um, so that was the second step that we had to find. And we created a lot of different various type of foam to, to come up with our own recipes. And after that, the, the last challenge was what is the right marketing stack to bring that newly product in the market? Um, in, in terms of product itself, another thing that I forgot to mention, which is very important, is what makes our product different from the others? We realize that foam mattresses often offer a very poor support on the edge. So it's really hard to create a mattress that is comfortable, that is not too hard or not too soft, that will support you, especially if you sleep with a partner. Um, that's why we created what we call our edge support. It's a proprietary integrated foam uh, support around the mattress. If you've been on the website, polysleep.ca, um, you can actually see it in action. We got a 3D animation explaining how it works. And, and you know what's funny is that competitor study had to tell, yes, polysleep offer a much better edge support even though their sleeping surface is as soft and comfortable as ours. So th that, was a, that was, I would say, something that we really enjoyed because, um, you know, any brand can, can talk about what they do better than others. But when you come from competitors or, or other source, a third-party source saying, yeah, these guys really did something different, that's usually a good sign that you can hit the market and you're going to be able to grow uh, quite fast. That's amazing. So the, the the product development, it sounded like you invested there first because you wanted to differentiate uh, the, the product from what was out there already. So what was that process? Like, how did you guys go through the process of doing the research and developing the the, the, the matches with edge support? Um, what I would suggest um, our listeners is really without investing tremendous amount of money, you can still do a very thorough research in a specific industry. In my case, it was quite simple. Go in every possible mattress store, test as many mattresses as you can, possibly can, and ask as many questions as possible to the salespeople director. Um, why do we have so many options? Why people usually don't like coming in the stores? And these people will often, you don't even have to say, I want to start my own brand, but they'll be uh, inclined to answer and give you honest answer. So that's going to be the baseline. The, the second thing is how can you have a third party helping you out in your R&D? Sometimes it is possible, sometimes it is not. In our case, it was possible. What we did is that we associated ourselves with a foam manufacturer, not a mattress manufacturer, a foam manufacturer who was already providing a lot of different material for mattress manufacturers. So usually how it happened in the industry is that 
you're going to buy the from from someone. You're going to buy covers from someone else or the fabric and make it yourself. And people who have spring mattresses, well, you're going to buy that somewhere else and just assemble it, ship it to a warehouse and try to work your point of sales, rather than physical or online through marketplaces or your own website. That's usually how it works. My goal was really to cut every possible middleman that doesn't bring any value for the end user. As a user, I was asking myself, do I care that the mattress was in three different warehouses before I purchase it? Absolutely not. Do I care that there was four different providers that provided the material that was made before I purchased it? Absolutely not. So basically, I did a checklist of what can I cut that doesn't bring any value? And can I aggregate most of the work within one specific place? So what I did is that I went to see a phone manufacturer and some of them thought I was crazy. And, and I sit down with them and I told them literally, um, I know you do provide foam. What if I were to bring the cover at your place? Because I know you just recently purchased that machine that roll and pack mattresses in a box. And I bring myself uh, the plastic. I, I bring the box that are branded. I bring everything. And you become my official partner to create the mattress. And I only go see you. And that's going to open the door for you to possibly offer uh, drop shipping or pickback shipping services for maybe sub brand that would like to create their own brand or their own mattress and don't have the capacity to do that. And uh, that worked. So now, um, obviously, it was a lot of research and development, but I had that partner. So he absorbed most of the cost of it um, because he wanted me to be successful. How did you have the insight to do to do this? Because how did you know that that, that particular partner was kind of I guess, ripe for a partnership like this? Foam mattresses, obviously, the main component is foam. And there is not a lot of foamer in the industry. When you do a bit of research, there's maybe four or five of them in Canada that are big enough. Um, and, and you have to see someone big enough who got space uh, and the capacity to produce if you want to do R&D and then product, production at the same time. To be honest with you, that was a wild bet and it worked out. So if I were to do any other venture, I would probably have the same approach uh, as much as possible. If you want to create a product, uh, you can sink a lot of money do R&D. Do R&D. So in this case, this foamer have been producing mattresses for more, I think, than 60 or 70 years. So I was asking questions. Should I do that? Should I do this? Uh, and to give you an idea, the, the support frame that we created, we're the only one. It, it took 23 different trials. We thought we had the right foam, and then it was not springing back in place, or the support frame was breaking when we were rolling it. So there was a lot of problem. But once we achieved it, um, that was a big milestone because now we're the only one doing it. And, and I, I, I would be very surprised someone uh, being able to replicate that, especially with the cost related to it anytime soon. Um, on the other hand, when you see a manufacturer and you tell him, I want to bring back business to you because you're in Canada or you're in the United States or in your, you're in the local market, often they will try to help you. So rather than always turning your back on local supplier and go see a drop shipper that is listed on AliExpress or, or, or in Asia, because often we think it's cheaper. In our case, we were able to create a better product 
at a similar cost than what it would have cost us to to R&D it here and produce it in China. Gosh, so you found the right partnership that allowed you to take advantage of these opportunities. I think that's amazing. So when you approach this phone manufacturer and ask them to to partner with you, you mentioned that they thought that you were crazy. So how did you talk them away from this belief? Because, you know, someone that's crazy, you probably don't want to do business with, but someone that's sane, you you probably are more comfortable doing business with. So how did you get them to be comfortable with your, I guess, relatively like radical approach to to doing business with them? Yeah. Um one thing that really helped me was the 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 ghost brand i would say that literally exploded in the market in the united states you know uh, our main competitor is obviously uh, casper in canada there's a couple of other one but casper um, who is the ultimate venture capitalist unicorn really helped me convince him saying look imagine if it works imagine if we can create a better product at a price that is affordable and the market picks up and and that was really the the, the narrative of the conversation, um, or I could do like everybody else and and go see a dropshipper who already produced, but then I won't have anything different. Then I won't right. be able to bring something new to the market. Mm-hmm. And and he was open to the conversation. I might have, and I was lucky. Like I said, I, I maybe would have had to go to four, five, six different people. Um, and there was still a little bit of investment from our part in order to do that. Uh, but that allowed us to really focus our, our marketing budget in, in marketing uh, once we had the right product rather than sinking everything into research and development. Got it. Do you remember how long, I guess, how long did the R&D take before, from the time that you guys decided to work together and then get to a point where you felt like the product was ready for the market? <laughs> It's actually a funny story because um, the reason why I ended up working uh, with 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 a friend of mine on the project that unfortunately um, he, he didn't pursue for personal reason, but um, he had this, that idea looking at other brands such as Casper rolling mattresses in a box, and he actually introduced me to that foam manufacturer, and and. I was interested, but I was in in digital marketing before that. I worked for uh, national brands and agencies, helping them monetize their website, uh, doing a local SEO strategy, very complicated stuff. And I was like, you know what? Let's give it a try. And I was not that focused until during a golf tournament, I injured myself and I had a double herniated disc. And I was stuck in bed for about three months. And that really made me realize how important your sleeping surface is. And, and what really motivates me every day is as much as people right now are focused on, on organic stuff and, and food, I th- think sleeping and, and rest is the next big thing. Um, so that was really the goal there. Um, yeah. Got it. Okay. So once you guys were had a product that was ready to, to go to market, what was the next step? So it took us, like you said, um, like I said, it took us about six months to do all the R&D research and all. Then obviously the next step was what's the right marketing stack? And we don't have a lot of resource. We're two people. I was still part-time because I had a full-time job. And just like anybody probably who's listening right now would think about starting uh, something, um, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't say from day one, go all in. Be careful. Test your stuff. If you can do part-time, do part-time and, and keep a certain level of stability on, on for you and your family. Because by going all in, often you're not able to think 
critically and you might do mistakes because you're panicking because you want that to work so much. So the first thing was, what is the right marketing stack? And we don't have a lot of budget. And that's why actually we went with Shopify. One of the critical elements that I knew was important in Canada was uh, privacy in terms of our data and the security in terms of all everything related to payment processing. And Shopify was by far the best solution for, for our needs. Uh, the second thing was, okay, we'll need some partners out there because I don't feel like hiring people right away internally to do our, uh, our you know, uh, creative assets and, and everything that needs to be created for a website. I'm not a web developer. Um, so for less than two, $3,000, we had a website up and running in a couple of weeks. It was far from being perfect, but it was doing the job. And we went with Shopify. We added a couple of apps to that. And we were live. Amazing. Okay, so you guys are now live. What were the first steps to getting your your first customers? The first step was definitely word to mouth. Uh, people tend to put different name on it now, such as influencer or ambassadors. Word to mouth rather it comes from your your family, your friends, anybody who who would potentially support you. Those were the the, the first people who bought our product. Um, and that's what really got me into what is the core of our business nowadays, affiliation. And we're going to talk about that maybe a little bit later. The second thing was we need to grow our audience. Um, right now, I think social networks are a benchmark where if you're trying to build a brand, you need to hit a certain threshold in order to gain credibility. If you have a hundred followers, even though they're highly engaged, you're not as you don't have as much credibility as you have five ten thousand. So we created a lot of small uh, media contests where we were doing giveaways, um, and that drove a lot of traffic to our website. And as soon as we start uh, working on our persona, who are buying our mattresses, um, we started working on CPC based uh, buy on Facebook, Google, um, and and for content marketing uh, on Reddit as well. Okay, so lots of good stuff there. Let's let's dive into each one of these. So the word of mouth started first with your friends and family. Do you remember that first day where you got started getting? Uh, purchases from people that you you didn't know like how, how did that kind of start branching out just beyond your your personal network it was it was so funny because i remember the first that we had um right now we use ship station but we have the sale and we have the manufacturer making the mattresses and we don't have a lot of stocks and we're like, okay, how do we do that now? So we had to manually contact UPS to set an account, and and they came to pick it up at at the factory, and that was a very stressing uh, experience. Um, but I would say in the first week we had a couple of sales, which was great because we we were thinking, oh my God, what if it doesn't work? Because these are expensive items. It's uh, it's uh, between six hundred and and close to a thousand dollars. Um, and, and it worked out really well. And like I said, word to mouth is is very, very important because if you offer a good customer experience, I remember the first people who bought the mattresses were uh, family members, but then they were friends. And what we were doing is uh, offering a courtesy call, just thanking them for encouraging local economy of supporting a local brand, because this is really um, close to the core of our business. 
And you found that that resonated with them, that you, you made the, the effort to make the call and then uh, basically put, kind of put a face to, to the brand and not just some like massive corporation that, that, that doesn't, you know, that, that doesn't uh, have a human to talk to. Absolutely. Everybody's working very hard for their, mon- their money. Um, rather it's a $10 or a hundred or a thousand dollar item, everybody invests times and money to purchase something. The least you can do is offer them the best possible experience. The other thing people uh, must keep in mind is that companies such as Apple, Amazon really alienated the way we shop. Our expectations are so high. You have to respect that, even though you're a small brand, even though you're a startup. And, and often it doesn't take that much effort to, to surpass that calling a, co- a customer uh, to, to just say thank you. Uh, that is something Amazon will never do, and they probably cannot. And as a startup, this is the type of edge you can have over these companies. Right, that makes sense. So do you? So you were just uh, at first, just almost like creating these products on demand. You, they didn't they didn't exist yet. Someone placed an order, and then you would have it manufactured. How long did it take before you built up an inventory? Okay, so the way we work with our supplier is. Um, we we use a technique that we call internally a buffer. Uh, now it's been two years, so we have a bit of history, and we know, for example, that moving day in Quebec is very popular, back to school, or for example, the Black Friday period um, are very popular. So what we try to do is have, uh, let's say, between 50 and 200 mattresses in stock, because we know in roughly two weeks, that's the amount, that's the volume we're going to be able to push. Um, and that's amazing because that allows us not to have a distribution center because we don't have a lot of stock and and we have enough time to produce as people purchase the item. So that's how we work right now. Mm-hmm. And that'll, again, save a lot of, um, uh, in terms of uh, distribution, manutention, uh, that again is not an added value for the consumer. Right, I see what you're saying. So it took a it took a little bit of time for you to be able to have the data to to make that determination of how much to hold. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So we were keeping five, ten in stock, and then we were like, sometimes we would run out, and then we were keeping fifteen, uh, but it didn't happen often. So the other thing is that we didn't have the money to have a stock of you know two, three, four, five hundred mattresses because uh, our cost is fairly high. Uh, we're not a very high margin uh, product. And that's funny because the mattress industry is is by far, uh, and it's known for that. Everybody, everyone, and everybody's on sales at fifty or eighty percent, and these guys still makes money um, because we offer that hundred night trial, and 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 we know that return rate could potentially really hurt our business. We we really invested more in a product in order to make sure our return rate are as low as possible, and and that paid out. Right, that makes sense. So you look for I like I like this approach where you look for the middlemen and the processes in the supply chain that don't add value to the end customer. Was this just based on kind of gut instinct on what would and what what would not add value or what would not be valuable to the end consumer, or did you have some kind of data or research to back up what what you should be focused on removing from the process? The idea behind that, and we do we apply it across everything, is 
if I can cut a middleman, there's two options. I either make more profit or I can sell a better item at the same price and the consumer will win. So whatever we do, our main question is, does this initiative brings better value for the consumer? I'm going to give you an example of that. And, and uh, that was last year. And that was a great fail. And we were lucky to be able to try that. A friend of mine uh, had access to uh, a very prime spot real estate pop-up store downtown Montreal. Um, and that rent goes for about $25,000 a month. It's very expensive. And because there was renovation around it, we were able to negotiate with um, the company who managed that, that location if we could give a percentage. It wasn't aggressive, but a percentage of our sales in order to pay for that specific space for a period of six months. Um, it actually ended up being one year, and we were quite lucky. But that basically allowed us to test physical location, uh, a brand store. So everything was branded polysleep. There was purple everywhere. We had six different beds. We had uh, three employee uh, full-time there. And, and my goal there was really to see one and only one thing. Does that bring value for a consumer? And is this any way profitable or that's just pure marketing? And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm quite happy we didn't have to pay for that because we would have probably lost uh, $15,000 a month, uh, maybe more considering we had to pay, you know, our employees, uh, full-time staff to, to, to answer questions and all. The other thing is that uh, we conducted interviews uh, from people who bought from the store versus people who bought online. And we saw a poor correlation in terms of customer satisfaction between people who went to the store, our brand store, versus people who bought online. So we killed the project and we went with a different approach. Why do you think that, why do you think that is? Why is it that they would have a, a worse experience in person than online? Two things. The main one is the perception of a salesperson in a mattress store. Nobody likes to go in a store and have someone uh, following you, telling you, oh, this is the, the level of support you should have. And this is uh, the, the type of mattress you should buy and try this one and try this one. And are we good with that? Perfect. Give me your credit card. I'm going to pass it. You're going to receive it next week. And people are kind of afraid of that. Um, I mean, you can probably relate going to a store and mm -hmm. kind of running away from the salesperson. Right, definitely. So even though we told our employee, this is really not what we want, we want you guys to have a good time with the customer, tell them jokes, just give them information, be proactive, but don't try to sell anything. Uh, we realized they had a good time, but the, the consumer, but it was not better than people who purchased online. And the cost to, to do that the one thing that was great about it is that we were able to type in the 80%. Uh, remember earlier when I was saying only 20% of the people as of today are willing to buy a mattress exclusively online. 80% still want to see it. So a lot of people from our website were asking, oh, can I go see the mattress? Can I test it? And even though we tell them, oh, you can try it for 100 nights at home and you don't even have a 30-day minimum period to test it out. At any point you don't like it, we send someone there to pick it up. You don't have to carry it or anything. And, and that was not enough. They, they were still asking, can I see it somewhere? Um, and that, that $25,000 it, it would have cost us would have been um, 
a big issue. Now, that's an example of does that add value for the consumer? And we we sat down with my with my team because at the time we had already three employees, and we decided to go uh, a bit differently. And that is something I would invite a lot of people who have an innovative product and would like to get in the market, in a physical location market, um, is to work with uh, stores that already exist in connected, uh, I would say, areas, uh, in our case, furniture stores that do not sell mattresses, were a good fit because they often have bed frames and they go to Ikea, buy a little mattress just to put some decoration around it. So what we did is that we killed the pop-up store and we uh, we hired someone full time who are ba- who is basically on the road and go see these local stores and tell them look what about polysleep drive people from our website we have about 30 to 50,000 people going on our website every month and a lot of them are asking can i try the mattress and we're going to drive these people to your store where they can try the mattress now here's the good thing you don't have to pay for anything We give you the mattress, we give you the pillows, we give you some marketing material, and we give you a referral code that you can put on your email list. We even give you buttons if you want to put them on your your website, you know, the the Shopify buy button that you can integrate. Uh, and, And they love it. So we basically now have more than 20 physical locations, and we don't have to pay employees. We don't have to pay rent. And we pay commission based on each and every partner we have uh, whenever someone used the coupon or whenever someone someone used their their link so that's amazing because we have ambassadors that are that own furniture stores and and they're really happy because they don't have to add investment to the table to sell an additional product and we bring people to their store where they add additional skews to their own sales you know yeah, so I think one very clear entrepreneurial skill that I see coming from your actions here is this creativity to problems that you're trying to solve from the the whole approach with the manufacturer to partner with them for R&D purposes to paying for physical retail space, using a percentage of your sales to now partnering with retailers, uh, furniture stores to put your mattress in stores to create these showcases. You obviously have a very creative approach and you don't just think about the traditional way that you might want to solve a problem or you might want to partner with someone. How do you approach problems that come up with these kind of creative solutions? Like, What kind of questions do you find yourself asking to start exploring new, I guess, alternatives to, to solving a problem? I've studied graphic design and, and I, I'm a creative person, but um, creativity can be applied um, to solve problems. And, and again, I'll, I'll go back to my original statement. Think about what the consumer might ask or will ask and validate that. Go on Google Trend. Ask people who are expert in the industry. Um, listen to podcasts. Uh, there's a lot of information available. What's going to make the difference is how you process it and how you come up with a solution that is a little bit different. And and then you can always push a bit further. Uh, one thing we didn't thought from the beginning, from the get-go, when we did that approach with with uh, uh, our affiliates partner, was the potential for an e-commerce to work uh, with this partner to rank locally. 
without having our own physical location. And now we have a, a complete local SEO strategy where if you go on our website, policy.ca, you go to stores, you're going to be able to have uh, from the city you're in, not only the information about the store that is our partner, like what 80% of the people would do, but on top of that, we created their own custom page on our website. So to give you an example, there's a store called Space Espace Meuble. It's in Laval. It's close to Montreal. And that was one of the first store we had. And I was asking myself, just like anybody, how can I get as many people, as many pair of eyes on my name? And SEO is such a powerful tool. But often for e-commerce, it's extremely complex to rank when people are looking for uh, localized research because of Google Map, because of local ads. And then on top of that, there's often a lot of big brands ranking. And we were able to rank in, we're now ranked on the first page if you look for best mattress in Laval or if you look for Polysleep Laval. And the way we did that is that every store we created their own their own custom page and they often also put their promotion on their own google uh, listings and they have a link to our page as well and we create these little local seo articles to promote their store and and it's a win-win situation they rank better we bring more people to their website and our name is is getting more and more and more visibility locally so again it's really how do you see a problem and how do you apply uh, you know a certain level of creativity to see what can I do something differently in order to um, outperform my competitors. Hey, real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. So let's talk about this this uh, approach with working with uh, furniture stores or if anyone anyone out there is listening, or sorry, if anyone out there listening is Looking at looking looking at retailers, physical retailers to partner with to create these showrooms. What was the initial response from from these stores? Like, what was the 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 pitch that got them to agree to to place? Because I mean, you're placing an actual mattress, like which is not a, a small you know piece of product in their store, right? So, how did you guys get them to to agree to do it? That was again. Uh a bet that we did because you can't come up with with a contract you know you're asking someone to put to give you space where this guy is basically uh you know you have employees to pay you have his rent to pay and and every square feet is important to him so our approach was really to say we are a brand that is you know growing year over year uh, tremendously more than 300 percent and and you know that how e-commerce, you know, e-commerce for any retailer is, is something that scares them and is something that is very sexy at the same time. They're like, well, e-commerce is the future. They just don't know how to approach that. So if you're an e-commerce expert or if you have your own e-commerce, uh, you know, business starting, often these people will be at least open to a conversation. So that was the first step. You call, I was calling a furniture store. Hi, may I speak with the manager? May I speak with the owner? Um, we're we're an e-commerce brand. We sell a sleep product and mattresses. Um, and and I know you might not be interested by anything of that, but would you be at least available if I come see you uh, and just to have a coffee and a conversation? And often the answer is yes. And the second step, I was going there with a with a small PowerPoint, four four or five pages, and I was saying, this is our product. 
It's made in Montreal. We encourage local economy. We, we want local economy to, 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 to you know, uh, strive again like it was back in the days. And that resonates with them. And we were saying, now, would you help us to send people to a local store that have something as beautiful as you have in your store uh, where people can try our product and at the same time, you have the opportunity to sell something else. And are these furniture stores already selling mattresses? Often we were targeting ones that were not selling mattresses. Got it. Uh, that was that was helping a lot. Some of them, surprisingly, are mattress stores, and and we don't give them. We, by far, they don't make as much profit as as uh, as with other brands, but they still like the idea that they have a link and a coupon code, and anybody on our website can use that to to get a rebate. So this is from pretty much their first kind of link into e-commerce for most of these businesses. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what they get. They got in. And, and, and often we tell them, look, here is our email newsletter and we create a copy of it that is customized with your coupon code. You just need to send it to your whole database and that's going to help your sales. And often they do it. So that some of our stores, partner stores have more than 20,000 people in their emails database. So multiply that by 20, the scale it gave us you know, uh, with brands that are already, you know, communicating on on weekly basis with these people is humongous. The reach we're able to to expand and extend without having necessarily our own data internally is amazing. Uh, So it's really a win-win partnership. The question you have to ask yourself as an entrepreneur is, um, and and I don't know, let's say if you're selling um, healthcare products, and let's say you have, I'll, I'll take something completely different, shampoo bars, and it's organic. And right now it's being, it's very trendy and you don't see them in pharmacy. Well, you know what? Give it a try. Talk to the pharmacist who own the place and ask him, would you mind if I, if, if I put that for a week or two and, and try it out? And often they might say yes. And if it sells, well, he might talk to a friend and this friend might be open to give the same thing. And that just create this opportunity where you can, without investing any money, have a physical presence, even though you're an e-commerce company. Um, And that's very powerful. People tend to try to squeeze every dollar out of Facebook and Google and their, and their marketing strategies and, you know, how to build a good funnel and, and, and all that. While in reality, even though that works really well, uh, the physicality uh, and, and the interaction you can have with the products, especially in our case, I mean, I'm not saying every industry is very powerful. Now, absolutely, like you said, you have to be creative in your way to approach it because it's easy to lose a lot of money there. Yeah, I think the edge that you get as an entrepreneur is often about doing the work that others don't want to do or maybe haven't thought of doing. Where this is where the creativity comes in, and like you're saying, so there's so much so much focus on trying to squeeze out every penny out of your Facebook ads or your conversion rates when there are bigger wins that can be had if you do kind of have the, the the guts, you know, to some degree to go out and start asking people to partner with them with these kind of unique ways to benefit both sides. So when you did roll out this this uh, this approach, how quickly or how big of a difference did it make to your to your sales? Um, the first thing it did is add credibility to the brand. And that allowed us to tap into uh, major mattress review websites. Uh, the way our industry work, and, and that took me a good year to understand, is that 
Um, life events is what often motivates people to change their mattresses. Um, so baby's coming. Oh, we need a new mattress for the baby. We might change ours as well. We move. Oh, that's the type of item we're going to change. Um, so when we open these stores, that created opportunity and I brought, that brought traffic to our websites. And, and at that specific moment, that's when we realized we should have invested a bit more in our website. And, and um, that's what we did this year. The first six months of 2019 was really focused around creating our own custom templates uh, and, and really um, offer a better experience online for our consumer. So these store opened the door to uh, additional credibility, brought more traffic to our websites and vice versa. And that opened the door for uh, specified reviews websites such as Sleepopolis, Sleep Sherpa. So how it works is that um, these guys often take affiliate commission as well. Uh, you send your product and they do a, a thorough review of it and they compare it to other brands. And that's when it really kickstarted everything. Uh, that combined with a good email strategy uh, and, and obviously a little bit of uh, Facebook ads and Google ads uh, is what really uh, fueled the engine as of today. Now, what's the, the approach that, that you've built out, the system that you've built out to scale this up to? Because I'm assuming you want to get into as many stores as, as you can. How, how, how are you guys approaching scaling this, this uh, system up of having showcases inside physical retailers? Since the core of our business is e-commerce, you cannot buy that mattress in that store. Uh, as I was saying, it's just a showcase partner. So what we did is that we took the highest density cities across Canada. So Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, and these were our first three targets. We need to have at least one store in one of, in one of these major cities. And then we're going to go with Edmonton, and then we're going to go with uh, what we call B market. So our A market were the top 10 cities in Canada. Then we hit our B market, which are a little bit smaller. And eventually we're going to hit our C market. Um, one thing we do, though, is that we open probably um, one or two boutiques a month. Because uh, like I said, there, there's still investment on our end. We got we to gotta send a mattress for free. Now we sell pillow. So we send them the pillow as well. We have marketing material we give them. So we can't afford to have, you know, 10, 20 new boutiques every every month. Um, even though it might be something we'll do in the future, but we really pick our battle based on, okay, where most of our traffic is coming from our website. So let's say you're based in New York and most of your traffic come from New York and LA. Well, these are the, fir the first two city where you potentially would like to have a physical location where you can send people going on your website there if they haven't converted. At the end of the day, the way I see it is, Someone see my brand, good. Now, someone who saw my brand is looking for a mattress. I got a couple of chances to make sure he understand I got a better product than what my competitor have. And um, this is where it become a bit tricky. Some people like to go on the website, don't talk to anybody. Some people are very analytical. They'll go on Reddit, they'll go on three different websites, and they're going to spend 30 minutes chatting about the foam density. And that's fine. The question you have to ask yourself is, what is the most critical element you want to invest your energy in 
in order to be able to solve, solve these issues. Because that takes time, that takes effort, and obviously that takes resources. So you can't do everything at the same time. And every business is a bit different. In our case, uh, our website is where we uh, want to offer a very clean experience for the user. And most of the information is actually on third-party website. And this is something I learned from, um, you know, Bell, which was a company I, I worked back in the days on the strategy. And as as we were saying, um, some of the executive there were were asking, uh, how can we increase the um, our capacity to convince people we have a better network than our main competitors? And the solution was actually Netflix, because. As your own ambassador, I can say I have the best mattress all day. But if a third party say these guys have the best mattress and that third party have credibility, just in the case of Netflix, oh yeah, Bell have the best network in Canada if you want to stream 4K TV. That adds a lot of weight. So that's what we're trying to do right now. Instead of just, of course, we do invest a lot of time to create content on our own website, but we want to have, let's say, guest bloggers or third party writing stuff about us. Right now, we even have healthcare specialists. So we have physiotherapists, chiropractor um, who interact with our product and give advice on how to use them, why they're better and things like that. This is your approach that you've taken to to partner up with these affiliates, essentially, to create the meaningful conversations around your brand? Yes. Absolutely. And um, we did test, <laughs> I would say, uh, regular influencers, you know, that have a couple of hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram. And we realized that um, we better off, we, we, we see better traction when we target a niche and create valuable content where we gravitate around. So, um, for example, one of our affiliates is a physiotherapist. And is very active on Facebook and on YouTube. And, and what we said when we originally approached him is we don't want you only to, you know, uh, take a picture on the bed and, and take a, you know, say you have a coupon code and never hear from you again. What can we do for your user that would matter? And right away he said, oh, my God, we should definitely do a, a series of videos on, on stretching in your bed or what are the exercises you could do to avoid, you know, um, back pain when you wake up or, or, you know, to sleep better. And that came from him. So um, our approach with anybody who do business with is how can we leverage that person as an ambassador? And if he doesn't want to, that's fine. But we don't necessarily want to put more energy working with them because that means he don't see a fit with our company or with our products. And that's okay. And often that's um, that's a mistake I think people do thinking about, especially Instagram, where the amount of followers or, or just even the amount of likes or comments is not, I would say, a KPI that should be uh, that highly considered when you build your brand. At the end of the day, think of a niche and think of really product market fit. So that specific niche do you have experts you can leverage to showcase your product and then combine it with maybe a promotion or an offer? And that's often what's going to work. Got it. So you're not just looking for people that might be reviewing mattresses all the time. You're specifically looking for 
the niches that might be able to use your product. So you've gone to like a, a physical therapist or you, you go to like people that are into stretching and stretch, basically present content that they are specialists in in conjunction with your product. So you're not looking to produce a commercial, essentially. You're looking to have content that is actually valuable and then include your matchers in the content. Yeah, we're, we're trying to solve sleep issue every day. And, and that is the core of all our activities. What, what, what can we do? If you have back problems, probably you don't sleep well. If you have insomnia, obviously you don't sleep well. Can I do anything to help you out? Because I'm trying to sell a sleeping surface that theoretically should help you sleep better. So that has to be connected with my core value. And, and actually, that's why we created um, four additional products this year. Uh, that's what we did from January to right now. And actually, the last one is coming in June. Uh, it's our baby mattress. Because as I said earlier, life events are often what motivates people. Everybody needs a mattress. So it's really hard to, you know... Um, Say my persona is are are women between 30 and and 45 that are you know doing yoga and that are active because you know what the 350 pound gamer who have a Twitch channel also have a mattress and how can I speak with these two people is very complex and that will need a lot of different strategies so in order to scale with with a certain level of volume what we did instead is. Okay, what are common elements that will motivate the, the, the purchase or at least the interest of buying a new mattress? And life events were, were the key. That's why now what our approach will be, instead of offering uh, five or ten different uh, levels of comfort for our products, what we really focused on instead is, okay, what does your body need to sleep better? And these were there's very three simple things. Good temperature control, good body alignment, and something that will avoid at any cost pressure pressure points. If your sleeping surface do that, you're going to sleep like a baby. Now, based on what you're doing on your day-to-day or based on where you're at in your life, you might have different needs. Uh, I can create the best baby mattress. A 60-year-old will not buy the baby mattress to sleep on because he's not there anymore. But that's what we did. So now we have a baby mattress. We have the origin mattress, which is more aimed toward people who would buy their first mattress themselves or often who would go to Ikea, people who have a, um, you know, a secondary residence, a chalet. Uh, and then we have our polysleep mattress, which is you know, our most popular mattress that we, I would say f- fit any couple, any person who starts in life who want a good sleeping surface. And then we have the Zephyr. The Zephyr is uh, the best of the best. Uh, we even have nanotechnology incorporated in it. And that is more aimed toward people who maybe had injuries, who really want uh, the best possible sleeping surface, who are athletes. Um, and, and that allow us to really tailor our experience based on these different persona in regards to their life events. Got it. Thank you so much, Jeremiah. So polysleep.com or polysleep.ca. And I want to close the interview by you telling us a story about the leaked internal email for your pre-Black Friday uh, success. Tell us about what that was and tell us a story about what happened when you guys uh, launched this, essentially this very interesting marketing campaign. Yeah, that was a... (laughs) 
that worked that this strategy worked extremely well and i was so surprised to see that so what we did is um our concept for black friday was to say okay the first 500 mattresses um, I don't know. I don't remember the exact number, but we're going to have a very, very aggressive rebate, but that's going to last only 12 hours. And we're going to put a, put a big timer on our website. And then we're going to have X amount of mattresses at, at another rebate. And then ongoing, we're going to have, let's say 20% off for the rest of Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And then we were brainstorming and we were like, and what about our, our email subscribers, our database? What are we doing with that? And we decided to create a fake internal email from different addresses. So you, there's a whole conversation where we, uh, where our customer service ask a question to the marketing department asking, when does this offer, which was the most aggressive Black Friday, like $400 off coupon goes live. And when do we put it on the website and for how long it works? And the marketing department kind of said, oh, the coupon is already created, but we haven't pushed it anywhere. So it's going to go live at midnight and it's going to be only available for 12 hours. And it's only going to be for the first 500 mattresses. And then the customer service reply, oh, thank you. So we got to make sure that is not like written anywhere or I don't communicate it if someone talked to me. And so that conversation was actually leaked through our, our whole database. And I think three minutes after, all my friends who bought a mattress were sending me text like, oh, I know someone is going to lose his job or, oh, someone is in trouble. I actually bought it for my mom. Sorry, Jay. <laughs> and I was, I was dying of laughter because they actually, um, th yeah, they, they believed it. So um, even before Black Friday, we sold out the 500 mattresses and we had to come up with a new offer. <laughs> That, that's hilarious. I think uh, lots of people are going to try this strategy out with this coming Black Friday. Okay, so thank you so much for your time, Jeremiah. Thank you for sharing that story and appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much for your time, Felix, as well. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify. To get your exclusive 30-day extended trial, visit shopify.com slash masters.